0: Hey, and welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So if you're just joining us for the first time, we would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint. Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message. Well, good morning church. How you doing this morning? I like that response. Welcome to you all. If you're joining us in the house or online, we're just so glad you're here this morning. It's good to see you. It's good to be with you. Now, today is the culmination of our annual week of pursuit and prayer we like to call Psalm Assembly. And so if you're here today and you're not familiar with Psalm Assembly, this is how we spent the past week. We hosted three unique events or various online activities where we were present to God, we repented of sin, and we prayed for others. But above all, we sought God to know his will for our church and for our community in the years to come. And so now we would love to take this moment to invite you to share those stories, what you've been hearing from God and what he's been saying to you. And so we do this because we want to listen to God together as a unified body. And So if, you, um, if God has been saying something to you this past week, we would encourage uh, you to share that so you can encourage the rest of the body and edify us. And so we just want to hear about that. So there's two ways you can share that story. First, you can grab one of those connecting cards in the chair in front of you uh, and write what God has been saying to you on the back, and then you can bring it to the connecting point with David or just put in one of the donation boxes. Or you can message us at thecrosspointchurch.ca, info at thecrosspointchurch.ca, and then um, we'll get your messages in that inbox as well. Now, everything that you share in this way That is helpful will be shared with others but it won't be identifiable but it is helpful if you include your name so I hope that you will include your name because we might have more questions you know what what did you think when God said that to you Uh, and we would love to hear your stories and have your name attached if you don't mind so we'd love to ask you to share what you've been hearing from God with us will you do that and so we look forward to hearing those stories now Today is week seven in our series in First Peter, and um, we're calling it Foreigners in a Broken World. Now, if you're a note taker, uh, you can find today's notes at thecrosspointchurch.ca slash notes, and you can use these to jot down your thoughts and follow along. Now, let's, let's get right to it and jump into today's passage. And so today we're going to look at First Peter chapter four, starting with verse one. So if you have your Bibles, this will be near the end. Otherwise, you can follow along on the screen. And so what Peter is doing is he's writing to what he calls the exiles of the dispersion, to the church. This group of people that has been run out of town, their neighbors literally have driven Christians out. And now they're out of place in the world where it is neither safe nor popular to follow Jesus. And in this letter, Peter has been reminding them, reminding us of our unique relationship with God, how we should live, suffer, and if necessary, even die. And so I'll tell you right up front, today we're going to be talking about suffering for righteousness' sake, that is suffering to do what is right in the eyes of God. And so let's read together, starting with chapter 4 and verse 1. Let's just pray before we dig in. Lord, we like David said, we prepare our hearts for the truth. And so we know today that the word is dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. We want to become dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. And so in our hearing this morning, prepare us to be changed without without reservation. And so uh, I pray this dangerous prayer. Turn our lives upside down if necessary. Turn my life upside down if necessary. Because we need a move of your spirit through your word this morning. So help us, I pray. We love you for it. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You know, I was 19 years old when I really committed my life to Jesus. And I was this lost and confused kid who made a lot of mistakes. If you have a, a spare couple minutes, I'll give you the list of my mistakes. And there was a lot of them. And behind me was this trail of broken relationships. And so I had this history of drug abuse, and I had been living uh, to satisfy one desire to the next. And it, after it was all said and done, when I was 19 years old, it left me alone, ashamed, and literally physically sick. And so at 19 years old, I lay sick in a hospital bed, and I wondered if I still had a future. But God, but God revealed himself to me in a powerful way. And some of you know this story. He physically healed me, and he healed my heart as well in a move of his power by his spirit. He saved me, and he washed me clean. And he's been doing a work of restoration in my life ever since. However, if you've been there, if you've lived that story, if you have a similar story to my own or a different version of that story even where you once were in sin but now you've come to God, you know that there's one thing you learn. You know that this is true. When you decide to walk away from your old life and start to follow Jesus to make him the savior of your soul and the Lord of your life, you face resistance almost right away for some of us. And I remember my friends scoffed at me because they thought I was absurd and that I was just going through a phase. You're just going through a phase, Mike. It will pass. And since then, you know, following Jesus and doing what is right has become more and more at odds with society and has come at a greater and greater personal cost for me. And I didn't exactly understand it then, but this is what I know for sure now. And listen, you need to hear this. Right now, following Jesus is radically countercultural, More so than it has been in hundreds of years. And so we need to wake up. We live in a post-Christendom era. The last time it was this tricky to follow Jesus was during Jesus' ministry and arguably for the first three, four hundred years of the church. Even then, it has never been a sure thing. It has never been without risk. It has never absolutely been safe to follow Jesus. And it was true then, and it is true now. When you rub against the grain of popular culture, you're going to get splinters. And so Jesus doesn't promise us that following him will be easy. No, it won't be easy. But in fact, he clearly tells us that we will have troubles and trials. How many of you have experienced those troubles and trials today? I see that hand. Thank you. We've been through it even the last couple months together. But what is Jesus' message to us then in this? He says, take heart, be encouraged. I have overcome the world. But why is suffering and pain so hard to accept? Well, I'll tell you right now. We have spent most of our lives avoiding pain and getting comfortable. Isn't it true? We've spent very little time accepting suffering. Pharmaceuticals, modern medicine, big full pantries, ice melt, you know? Indoor plumbing, heating, the little kickstand thing that goes on the door to hold it open. That avoids pain. Bigger houses, fewer inconveniences. Just designed to reduce toil and suffering. The mantra of modern society is no pain, no pain pain, right? Great. Works for everyone. And while none of these things is wrong, no, they're not. Perhaps, maybe just perhaps, we've lost sight of our priority. And so as followers of Christ, could it be that we have circumnavigated suffering? Okay, but at what cost? You know, Peter earlier in his letter tells us that it is better to suffer for doing good than to do evil and get even. But there's more to it than that. And so that brings us to our passage today. But listen, this is the big idea I want you to catch today before you leave. And we're going to unpack it this morning. If you are eager to do the will of God, you need to be willing to suffer. If you are eager to do the will of God, you need to be willing to suffer. And if you're truly a follower of Jesus today already, in one way or another, you have or you will suffer. That is the cost of following him. The call to submit to him means we must be willing to suffer for the Lord. And so in today's passage, Peter strongly urges us to remember the full scope of our devotion to Jesus. And you see Peter, he gets it, right? If you know Peter's story, he was there when Jesus said that he himself would suffer and die. Peter was there when Jesus called him to follow his example. He wrestled with this until he knew the exact same sufferings as Jesus. And he died for his namesake. And why is it that he did that? Well, we're going to unpack that this morning. First of all, Peter says, Jesus suffered in the flesh. He says this in verse 1a, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. And so what is that therefore, therefore? Well, instead of a specific or direct application, Peter's making a potent summary of everything he's talked about at the end of chapter 3. A summary of how to behave in difficult situations and adverse relationships. And to summarize, Peter says, Jesus has suffered in the flesh. And his point is this, Jesus has literally suffered everything you could ever suffer. From the lack of comfort to mortal death. He experienced the entire possible range of human sufferings as a man in a body. And he was rejected by his neighbors, lived in poverty. He didn't have a house. He was socially canceled, humiliated in front of everyone, tortured, abused, and unjustly murdered. His sufferings were not just figurative or immaterial. It's not just a metaphor for a spiritual reality. And why would Jesus suffer all of this? Because it was his, the will and good pleasure of God to send his only son to suffer and die. To rescue and renew humanity. And Christ submitted himself to this will. Come what may. And so the gospels tell us that before his death, Jesus, you know, he sat with God. In the garden of Gethsemane. Knowing that his time was coming. And he asked God if there was any other way. But he was eager to do the will of God. So he prayed to his Father in heaven, not as I will, but as you will. Is that our prayer today? Is that our prayer? Not as I will, but as you will, Father. And so Jesus, what he did, is he set his face towards Jerusalem, knowing that he would suffer. But there was a joy set before him, as the scripture tells us. And he did this to do the will of the Father, as he was doing the will to save you and me. Because Jesus suffered willingly. His followers should be willing to suffer too. But you might be asking, so why exactly do followers of Christ suffer? How does that work? So Peter explains it to us. He says, we suffer because we are set apart. And at the end of verse 1 through to verse 3, Peter says, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past, suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, etc., etc. In other words, he was saying, that was then, and this is now. And our suffering to do the will of God is like a line in the sand. Now, we don't have sand this morning. And bringing sand in here would probably be a terrible idea. So I'm going to use some tape this morning just to show you what I mean. Sand would really be a mess. So we didn't do that. Now, this line demonstrates that for followers of Christ, we are not going back to sin. This doesn't mean that we are perfect or sinless, but we are free not to go back to sin, and we will not be bound by it anymore. And so God, what he did, and Peter says this in the beginning of the letter, he chose us, and through faith, we are his. And we no longer are under the power and control of sin, but but instead, we live to do the will of God. See, now, we are no longer conformed to the passions of our former ignorance, but instead, we are transformed by what? By the, by the renewal of our minds. I was once dead in my sins, but now I am alive in Christ. That was once my old life and my old me, but now this is my new life and the new me. I was a slave to my flesh, but now I am a slave to righteousness. That's right. See, this is what God wants for us over here. And this is what it means to be free from sin and human passions, to live the rest of our lives free to do the will of God. But our society has a warped sense of freedom, doesn't it? So let me illustrate how we are set apart and free from being ruled by our human passions. So let's imagine a scenario. You know, Today, pop culture defines freedom as the ability to do anything we want. And when I, see, when I say anything, I mean anything, and you can see where this starts to fall apart and go wrong, right? But let's keep it simple today, and, and G-rated for her family's sake. Um, so, you, Some might argue that we are free to party all night long, right? You remember the song, We Gotta Fight For The Right To? Yes, Beastie Boys, thank you. The rest of you, I don't know. But some might argue you have the right, you are free to party all night long, to engage in a night of indulging in intoxicating substances, have multiple romances or sexual encounters outside a single committed relationship, to get all caught up in a night of vulgar speech in roughhousing and rabble-rousing. Obviously, these people don't have young children, right? But some might argue that. Now, the problem is that those who argue in this way must insist that they are also free to grow broke living this way, to breach the trust of those they love, to cause physical harm to themselves or others, and wake up extremely unwell the next day, filled with regret, self-loathing, and under the weight of a crushing depression. And while it may be true, that some people can and do choose to live this way. The good news is that for Jesus followers, we are free and able not to. And this is the will and the wisdom of God. But here's the catch. Choosing not to engage in this anymore. or many other activities as a follower of Christ can be very unpopular and it comes with a risk, doesn't it? See, Peter warns us what that looks like, that we may suffer for doing what is right in God's eyes. In verse 4, he gives us three reasons why followers of Christ suffer to do what's right. First, he says, doing what is right is countercultural. Peter says that when we abstain from sin, unbelievers are surprised by their sin. Some translations say that they think it's strange that we do not join in in the flood of debauchery. Listen, doing the will of God can be strange to unbelievers in popular culture. We've felt that, we've seen that. Number two, Peter says doing what is right is isolating. Peter says unbelievers are surprised when we do not join them in sinful activity. See, saying no to this automatically makes everyone uncomfortable, doesn't it? It creates this uneasy us and them dynamic. And finally, this leads us to the third reason we suffer as followers of Jesus, which is doing what is right is confronting. See, Peter says that for followers of Christ, when we swim against the current of society, we create a convicting standard of morality that unbelievers cannot live up to. And I just got to say right now, to be clear, we ourselves cannot meet that standard aside from Christ. We are not self-righteous, although sometimes it may seem that we are. But instead, we are righteous in Christ. But even so, unbelievers may abuse us, slander us, try to discredit us, tempt us, punish, or even hurt us. And how we suffer is relative to our time and place. But the reality is that even today, many believers die for doing what is right for the sake of Jesus' name. Have you ever experienced any of that in your own life? Maybe this is your reality at work. When your coworkers find out you're a Christian and, and, and or you, you, you face a dilemma, will you suffer to do what's right at work? Or maybe just a hot topic comes up. I and mean, we've had a plenty, plenty of hot topics in the last couple of years, haven't we? And, and you know you must make a stand for Jesus. Will you suffer for what you believe? You might even be mistreated and isolated by friends, your kids, their friends, and teachers. Then what will you do? And adversity might even come from across the kitchen table at home. How many stories do we know of families along uh, that are divided along the, the lines of faith? How many of you suffer to witness, for Jesus' sake, to an unbelieving family member? The truth is, you might even be abused by those you help. I've experienced that. Or to those you've witnessed to, about Jesus too, shared the gospel with. Are we willing to suffer to do that? so this is how we suffer to do the will in our everyday lives. Now, it's worth acknowledging today that people in our church family not only suffer in this way, but they're suffering from sickness, loss, and terrible circumstances. And the good news of Jesus is here for all of us who suffer in various ways. The good news is this. God will not abandon us. He won't. This is his promise. By faith, we have salvation, healing, and communion with Christ because of his perfect life, death, and resurrection. And for those of us who suffer to do his will in the way we're talking about today, Peter has a special encouragement. He says in verse 5, that those who make us suffer, they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Now, this can be a tricky part of the passage, especially in some translations. But let's do some quick theological, a quick theological side that will help that interpretation. To see, the book of Revelation tells us, teaches us, that Jesus will judge everyone when he returns, including the living and dead unbelievers. So what Peter is saying is that these unbelievers who abuse you for following Christ will have to answer for what they have done, and they will be justice, But that's not it. Believers may die, but they will live in the Spirit with God. Verse 6 says, For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are already dead, that though judged in the flesh the way all people are, they might live in the Spirit the way God does. So, what Peter is doing here is describing a contrast between the future reality of unbelievers and believers. So what he's saying is building on verse 5. For believers, even though their body dies, which is the wage of sin, but because of their faith in Christ, they will live in the Spirit with God. That is, of course, until resurrection day. Listen, the point is that if you suffer for the sake of God's will, your abusers will see justice and you will be vindicated. And so it is in this way, through his death and resurrection, that Jesus has shamed the earthly powers, evil, death, and hell itself. And you who are suffering, you who have been despised for doing God's will, will not be put to shame. Everything you suffer for doing good today will lead to resurrection. Every type of ins- or instance of persecution Confirms that you have been saved. Every death stores up eternal life. Suffering under evil, but being raised in power, should be the default worldview of every follower of Jesus. Um, uh, Seth Stewart from Spoken Gospel once said Christians are not just victims in a world that doesn't understand them, but like Jesus, we are victors over every power. Amen? Victors, not victims. And so let's recap this morning. If you're eager to do the will of God, you need to be willing to suffer. In first Peter two, twenty-one, he says this about our suffering. For to this you have been called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Christ has suffered in the flesh. And we should be willing to suffer too. So it is with this understanding this morning, we want to ask the question, what does Peter say we should do? And so with that, let's return to the middle of verse 1. Again, referring to the example of Christ, he says, arm yourselves. Arm yourselves with the same attitude. Some translations say same way of thinking, the same mind of Christ. But Peter gives us this military-like command. In the mood of reality, which he gives this imperative is this. Jesus literally suffered in every way possible for us. So arm yourself. We need to be willing to do the same for his sake. And so it's like they say, to be forewarned is to be Forearmed. What Peter is urging us to do is to prepare ourselves for suffering, both mind and body, to live in such a way that expects and accepts human suffering as part of following Jesus. And so this word here Peter uses for arm, it's a military word in the Greek, haplizo, which means in the context to furnish yourselves with the weaponry of warfare. In other words, our intent to suffer for the sake, for the sake of Christ, is not a way to just avoid sin, but in fact it is a way to dismantle the devices of evil, resist the flesh, and even bless the world. It's not just passive, instead it's active. So let's get really practical this morning. How can we arm ourselves with the same attitude of Christ? What is the weaponry needed for the battle of doing God's will? Especially if it means that we might suffer. Let's talk about two things. We need to arm ourselves against defensive thinking and defeated living. See, the attitude of Christ arms us against these two products of suffering. First, with the humility of Christ, and second with the perspective of Christ. First, we need the humility of Christ to resist the impulse to retaliate, right? To not give in to our pride but and to retaliate the sufferers Jesus has. Second, we need the perspective of Christ to keep our present and eternal victory in full view. God will not abandon us. We need both if we want to avoid sleepy, safe Christianity and risk suffering to do God's will because we're eager for it. So let me speak to three groups this morning. Um, Then we're going to pray together because we're going to need prayer for this. First of all, to those of you who are in the room... And you've been poorly treated for the sake of Christ. Resist. Just resist. Resist the urge to retaliate when you are abused for the sake of Jesus. It's better to suffer to do good than to do evil and get even. And I I know some of you have been hurt. I've been hurt before too. And I know it's hard. You're not alone. You're not forgotten. And it is worth it. Let me remind you. Jesus is worth it. And if that's you, my prayer for you this morning is that you would respond to adversity in the same way that Christ did. More specifically, when people begin to speak or act against you, the first thing you would reach for would be the humility of Christ. Not for scathing um, comebacks, complicated rationalizing or malicious actions. But instead, you would put on the humility of Christ. That you would be like him who humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Put on humility. Reach first for humility. Number two, second, uh, there's a group of people in here, and you, you, you've suffered, and you feel like the feet have been taken right from under you. And to those ones, um, you know, who have given up or want to give up, I just urge you hold on hold on hold on it's not over yet i know it's hard and i know it's even harder to get back up but let me remind you jesus has overcome the world and he will not abandon you it's not over yet and so if that's you this morning my prayer for you is this that you would know and experience your victory in christ that you see with an eternal perspective, with joy in all circumstances, because you have a sure hope and future in Christ. The battle is not over, and you will not be shamed. You will not be shamed. He will come for his people, his church, the bride. He loves his bride. He's a good groom. Now finally, if you're here today, this last group, And you might think this message is not for you. Uh, Please hear me. I'm not here to guilt you or point you out. This message is as much for me as it is for anyone. All I ask is that you consider alongside the rest of us this question. What have I traded in exchange for my comfortable life? For my comforts in life? What have I traded? Have I traded something? And if that's you, my prayer is simply for you today is that you would not surround yourself with a life of defenses, build your life between walls, but instead that you would be open to knowing Jesus in a more intimate way and be right in the center of what he is doing. It's worth it, and that's my prayer for you. See, Jesus is giving everything for us, and all he asks for in return is our obedience. And so we need to be willing to suffer if we're eager to do God's will now I know this is a hard teaching so we're gonna need a lot of help aren't we so I'm gonna invite the altar prayer team to the front and I'm gonna invite the band up as well and we're going to take some time to prayer to pray it's because we need the ministry of the Holy Spirit if we're going to attain and keep hold of the humility of Christ and the perspective of Christ Lord help us So I'll just invite those two groups up, the altar prayer team. They'll be ready to pray for you if you want to come up for one-on-one prayer, Um, and our band will just create an atmosphere of prayer. But you can respond in one of two ways. You can come up, or one of three ways. You can come up, and you can meet with one of our prayer team members, and they would be happy to pray for you. If You need empowerment to suffer for Christ's sake. Or you can sit in your seat and just pray by yourself. Reflect silently and pray with yourself. Or you can pray with a couple of others around you. But I'm going to begin and then I'm going to give you time to respond and reflect in prayer. And then I'm going to come up and close. But let let me pray for us and then we'll engage in that and respond. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We are just so thankful. Thank you for suffering for us in the way that you did in the flesh. All we have, we have in you, Jesus. So once again, we turn away from our human desires and comforts that have massaged our convictions and put our faith to sleep. Wake us up, Lord. We are willing again, come what may. Reignite our passion to do your will. So meet with us this morning as we receive what you have for us. We love you. Amen. Amen. Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton. And throughout the week in something we love to call home groups home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.